It's a new day at Christ Episcopal Church in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Welcome to Living Breathing Stories, a podcast where we hear your stories, people of God, and hear the good news. We know that the good news of God in Jesus can be found in Scripture, but we also know it can be found in you. Your story is the good news, and it lives and breathes and walks around with us. I'm Leela Quinlan, a deacon and parish life coordinator here at Christ Church, and I am joined this morning by my friend and fellow parishioner, Margaret Henderson. And today we have the delight of having Tell us who we have, Margaret. Oh, we have Dana. Dana, our new assistant youth pastor. Can you say your full name and your title, Dana, so we can be sure we've gotten it right? Yes. <clears throat> My name is Dana Van Ostrand, and I am the new assistant director of Youth and Family Ministry. Beautifully said. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. I know my last name is a difficult one. There's a lot of guesswork that goes into it. And I know your last name, but it took me, I kind of froze like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> I was worried I was going to get it wrong. So of course I toss it to Margaret. So why don't you tell us um, a little bit about how long you've been here in Jacksonville and what brought you here? Yeah. Um, so I've been in Jacksonville almost a year, I think like this week. So 365 days in Jacksonville. Um, I got married last year on July 19th, um, to my wife, Amber. Um, she's a nurse and she got a job in the ICU at Mayo Clinic. And so that is why I'm in Jacksonville. I had no regard. I'd never been to Jacksonville. I had never been to Florida. And so I was like, yeah, you got the job. I mean that's security enough, right? So then we moved on down here and here I am today. Um, I've been, yeah, Jacksonville. Where did you move from? Um, uh, we went to college in Northwest Iowa at a college called Northwestern College. Um, and she graduated a year after I did. I worked as an admissions counselor there. Um, we got, I, we got married in Salt Lake City, Utah, because that's where she's from, in the mountains, which was a beautiful experience. And then we drove the two and a half days down here. Wow. Did you, I, I'm curious, did you take any kind of a preliminary, preliminary trip down here to kind of see what it was like, or did you just actually move here? We just straight up moved here. Okay. Um, we, so we got engaged on May 9th, 2021. And we got married July 19th, 2021, due to the logistics of her starting her job on July 26th. Right. And so we didn't have time. We were planning the wedding, getting everything done for that. And we lived in a hotel for like two and a half weeks here as we found an apartment and started to get settled and bought all of our stuff. So, um, yeah, it was definitely not, it's not <laughs> the most common story or maybe not the most, um, how do I put this? Put together story, but it's the one we have, and it's the one we're here. So, uh -huh. yeah. Well, you know, there is a user's manual for newlyweds. You didn't get that? No. And oh, man. I mean, if somebody had sent me it, I probably wouldn't have read it anyways. So <laughs> I just wasn't thinking about it at the time. We were just trying to figure it all out. So, yeah. It sounds like you were kind of okay with that. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people who know me, I'm not necessarily one that has a particular 
I don't have a lot of particularities in terms of what I what I do or what I need. I'm I'm kind of somebody who's willing to go with the flow. I like a plan, mm-hmm. like we like a little bit of a plan as we go, but yeah. there's not a ton of particular. Just whatever works and make it work. And I'm in I'm in a good good job for that. Youth yes, ministry you is a lot of uh, <laughs> figure it out as you go. So speaking of youth ministry, what mm-hmm. would you say um, for someone to be a good, solid youth minister? Mm. Uh, what are, what are a couple of the qualities that are important to have? Um, I think first and foremost, being a good listener. Um, so much of so much of be working with youth and students is being able to hear them interpret their own lives mm. and interpret their own stories, and being able to maybe connect that to either the story of God and finding their place in in the biblical story or in the story of God. Um, Because it's not about providing the correct answers. Anybody can end up providing a right answer. Um, It's really about being able to, yeah, connect their story in some way, their lived experience, and be able to take this beautiful narrative of God's love for our world and our lives and fit that into their story and fit their story into that in the bigger picture. So yeah, being a good listener, first and foremost. Um, Secondly, a willingness to just be your fully authentic self. Something I am not always great at. It's it's hard to do because there are parts of our lives that are vulnerable and difficult to share and things that you're like, man, I don't want to show that to anyone. But um, to be willing to be your fully authentic self allows gives them the space to as well, to know that this is whatever space we're a part of is a safe place for them to be a part of. And so to create environments so that people are safe to be who they are and able to listen and engage on another level is just, I think, two of the main qualities. There's there's a lot of other things that go into it, but um, you also have to have patience. Um, yeah. So uh, my next question around that is, did somebody provide that for you as you were coming up? Yeah. Um, I had a number of people that have provided that for me. Um, I had a couple youth pastors at the church I grew up in, um, who, yeah, were great listeners, also shared interests with me. So I was able to spend some extra time outside of, outside of just the church context with them. Um, in college, I had one specific voice who was, yeah, more impactful than the other. Um, his name is Daniel. And he, he was a professor of mine my freshman year, teaching one of my um, biblical theology courses. And um, as I was processing all I was learning, as I was processing being an independent for the first time, he was really a true mentor in that experience for me. And so to have somebody who was one shared the same love of Christ and, but also shared an interest in me and showed me that he cared, was willing to listen to my stories and listen to me interpret, interpret my stories and interpret my perspectives and then be able to be like, so here's where your disconnect is. Um, yeah, it was so, so incredible. And to have people in our lives who care about us, but also are willing to be like, hey, this is this is kind of where you're either not thinking wrong, but here's where maybe you might be lacking in perspective about uh-huh. your own life. It was, yeah, Daniel, I'll be forever thankful to Daniel for a lot of that. I think we all need a Daniel in yes. our lives. Yeah, at least one. At least one, if not more. So you you kind of are hinting at, and I think Margaret wants to ask some more questions around this or Mm. converse about it. 
around this, the thing that happens when you're growing up in the church, if you did grow up in the church, and the faith formation that happens as a, a really young person, and then what happens when you go off to college and start thinking more critically, especially if you're taking theology classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can you speak to that? I can, because, yeah, I did grow up in the church, and I grew up in a church that I would say is very different than where I am today in Christ Episcopal Church. Um, and I grew up, the the youth pastors that I grew up with had kind of expressed like, hey, you should really consider youth ministry. And so I was like, okay. I mean, I was definitely like, I was on fire for following Christ and whatever that meant for my life. Um, and I did show some qualities of leadership and things like that. So they saw that in me and they pointed to something. Um, and then to go to college and to begin asking a lot of questions, I think is what truly happened for me. I started asking a lot of questions of, as I was learning about the Bible and how it was formed, uh, learning about different ways of thinking about theology and different ways of worshiping, I had so many questions. Mm. And I think that's where Daniel kind of stepped in was, he was willing to just hear the questions with no anxiety about what the answers might be that he might have a set of answers that he would provide. Right. But that if I came to different answers, that the, that wasn't the point. The point was that I was coming to answers, not that they were specifically how he would answer the questions, um, specifically how he would act in a specific scenario, but rather showing interest in mine. Um, and so, yeah, faith formation, as I went into college and thought more independently, become became a journey where I, I needed more voices in my life, um, willing to listen to my questions. Because growing up for me, I, I had a lot of answers that I thought I had. Mm. Um, and going to college, as you start to think more independently, those those answers got, for me, just shattered. I, I was in a place where I could not hold and articulate to the same exact version of faith that I once had because I I had learned so much that I was like, I'm not sure I can really believe how I used to believe. And so, yeah, th- those voices and those people who are willing to care about me, um, listen to my questions, no anxiety about what the answers might be was more impactful than anything else. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah. love that. I love the idea that you were able to ask questions, and somebody here at Christ Episcopal told me once, it's the fact that you're asking questions at all mm-hmm. that is what we're called to do. We're not called to have the answers. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of the mystery of faith, right? Mm-hmm. And that we're, in fact, almost cautioned against anyone or anything that professes to have the exact right mm. answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of learned that around here. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what I feel like I've learned. What were some of the questions that you had? Yeah. Um, I think some of the, the, first, the first questions that I had was really what does it... The, the Bible has always been, I think for me, the, I think was the crux of a lot of my questions. Because um, the tradition that I grew up in, and very valid, I'm not speaking poorly of this tradition, but... Um, held to a very l- literal and um, exclusive way in interpreting the Bible. And I think for me, the, the struggle was 
knowing that the Bible wasn't always in in terms of its original authorship and the the communities that were consuming or understanding the Bible would never intended to have literal stories in every single instance. And the moment that I heard that, I was like very resistant because the way, I mean, I was very resistant because of how I grew up and the thing that I valued about faith because I did want the concrete answers. And so to have, to now throw all of these things that I thought were once very, I had this literal way of an understanding, whether that's creation or um, anything in the book of Revelation, there there was a lot of ways to, um, there's a lot of ways to understand and interpret the Bible. And frankly, to know that I could interpret, that we have to interpret the Bible because of cultural context and the cultural context it was written in, um, forced me to reevaluate some of the things that I thought it meant to be a Christian, um, thought it meant to be a part of the community of faith. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the big ones. So if you can remember what, and, and are willing to share, what was your conversation with God like during that time where you're really making kind of a, a turn? Mm-hmm. Um, the seed maybe that you had, the seed pod being broken open, and coming into kind of a new way of living your faith. Mm-hmm. How, how was it between you and God during that time? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a long process, and I'm still very much so experiencing that process. Um, I would say in the initial parts of the first questions finally being asked in gray, the, the grayness, I would call, instead of the black and white, um, I was just confused with God, frankly. Um, there, there was a lot of, there was a lot of times where, because I was, um, because I held to a specific way of thinking about God, I, I, I would struggle. Like, God, are you, are you really, you? This is not the God that I thought you were. I have created a God out of the things that I thought about you, and this idol that I would describe, I created of God was slowly dying. And so my relationship with God was one of confusion, one of, I would describe as like almost instability at times, because when something you thought was, is no longer, um, there starts to be a hole there, starts to be a gap there. Like all these questions I don't have answered anymore. What is faith then? Because if, if faith isn't exactly this, I now need to like, fill that gap with something else, or I need to have some sort of answers to those questions. And so at first it was not, it was more about, I'm trying to find new answers instead of realizing, as we've talked about a little bit already, realizing that this is a journey and this is a process and there's no finality to it until we're in the dust again. (laughs) There's no finality to that. Um, And it's, yeah, I'm still going through that journey. I find myself at church on Sundays here still like, wow, this, this God is not who I once thought you were. And it's so much more, so much more beautiful, so much more. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how at one point I was in left, left in such a, um, exclusive manner. And now I'm going towards a new, a new way. I don't know. It's, it's quite the journey. 
So I think we were really talking about this concept of really it's, it's common in development in all different areas that you need to learn the basics first, the simple stories first, and then there's a time to move on from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in, I think in youth ministry, one of the difficulties is I think we're adults in general. I have, I felt this growing up. This isn't just my church though. This has been like every place I've been. Um, there's a, there's a tendency to unintentionally patronize middle and high school students by withholding different answers to them by basically saying, Hey, there's this answer and this is the answer we will provide to you. Um, and not go into the, the Christian tradition is a, a rich thing. There are so many different ways that Christians and I'm sure even Episcopalians have looked at different things over the years. True. And so to pro- not provide answers to like, we want to address questions, of course, but we want to have in youth ministry, we want to have a safe place to ask questions and to explore the richness of the Christian tradition and whatever that might be, (laughs) frankly, um, in whatever questions are being asked, uh, because it isn't about providing the answer so that they can take that answer and know it when they go to college. Cause that's not how the world works. We've all experienced this in different ways. Like our question, our answers have been challenged in all of our areas of Mm. life. And so to provide an answer and then have that challenge, we want to equip so that when their answers are challenged, how do I rethink about something? How do I begin to address that thing? Maybe in a different manner. I've been given new evidence to say that my answer isn't sufficient to interpret the world. How do I do that better? And maybe giving them more of a more language, maybe less language within the Christian tradition to say, this is how I interpret the world. This is how the way of love plays out in this specific thing for me. Um, yeah, I, I think for me it is... It's not an academic pursuit, but it's using what I know intellectually and academically, the history of the Christian tradition, to say, hey, here's how somebody else has said this before, and it sounds something similar to what you're saying. Do you connect with that at all? And yes, no, they move on with their question. So instead of saying, hey, this is the answer, take this with you. This is the faith you'll always have. And instead saying, hey, here's something I've heard. What do you think? It's a new approach, and it's not new, so to speak, but it's it's a shifting of approach to say, hey, let's address your lived experience, let's address the way you've interpreted the world, the, the messages you're getting, and let's provide you a language to interpret the world. That, I love that. And that's, that's so much of what youth ministry is. And those simple stories are awesome. We learn them. That's great. But even the simple stories we've talked about here, there's there's a new, you reinterpret in light of what you've experienced. And it's just, that'll happen more and more throughout the life. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's happened for 24 years in mine. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a much more sophisticated way of enabling our youth to come to God in their own time. Mm -hmm. And I think we often, at least I underestimate Mm. the youth and their capacity to detect a little nonsense when we're dishing it out, you know yeah, what I mean? Uh, like they can pick up on that stuff and we underestimate their capacity. And I think we too often set a very low bar for what we expect. And I think that's a disservice. And more and more in the digital age, 
we we know more and more about the world and my generation and the generation younger than me know more and more about the world than informationally than we do in a lot of senses and so when they when they they they've heard these answers before they've heard these different ways of addressing things whether it's some tiktok that they saw because that happened people talk about everything everywhere all the time (laughs) and so it, it instead of like trying to play games and be like well you have to know it this way it's like no let's explore this just as openly as possible let's let's explore this in the way that so that you can come to an understanding for yourself because I, and I do get it. There's a, probably a lot of anxiety. I'm not a parent, so I don't know what that's like, but I'm sure there's a lot of anxiety with kids. It's like, I do want them to have faith. Like I do want them to ascribe to the tradition that I hold. And, and I'm sure there's some anxiety that comes with, well, that's not how I think that's kind of, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to say, I'm so excited. My kids are 10 eight and seven. Uh-huh. And I was talking to another one of our youth ministers, Brooks, a couple Sundays ago. And I was saying, I'm excited mm. for my eldest to get to the age where she can participate in our youth program. Mm. Because I have in having talked and now, especially having talked to you, <laughs> Dana, mm-hmm. I have even more faith. Mm. And I love the idea that they won't be spoon fed mm-hmm. the answers to the test that doesn't exist anyway, mm-hmm. that you will instead potentially teach them how to, how to discern for themselves. Mm. Like, I think that's yeah. such a skill that needs to be taught. So I, for one, um, am heartened from this conversation myself. Me too. I, a gift that my son received here was the gift of the format of godly play where you ask mm. questions. And you wonder together about how God is working. Mm-hmm. And I think as, as my son has gone through college and now graduate school, that it is serving him well. And the other thing goes back to something that you mentioned, um, Dana, that the other, the other thing that I think my son learned here really well is that God is a loving God mm-hmm. and that the people of God um, embraced him as he was growing up here befriended him, mm-hmm. spent time with him, encouraged him, asked him questions, and he carries that with him now to Chicago. Mm. So um, I really appreciate your work. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I'm, I'm six weeks into it here, but I, I, something I've, I've noticed here is that the idea of godly play, I had only heard about it before coming here, so it is really, really cool that that is the way we explore faith at Christ Episcopal Church. Yeah. I am just, I'm honored to like get to see that play out because... Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is such a beautiful way to begin to introduce those stories and to wonder and introduce mystery and yeah, awe. So speaking of wondering, yes. I have a final question for you about something that you evangelize about that has nothing to do with churchiness or God. Something yeah. in your life that you're very passionate about that you find yourself talking to other people about. Um. So I don't I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. I am a golf nut. Like I I play golf very frequently. I played in college. Um, I quit my junior year. Just was kind of a little burnt out on it. But you only get burnt down on the things you really work hard at. So I felt good about that. Um, but 
I actually ironically like evangelize about golf and there's a podcast I evangelize about because it's called no laying up. It's they're based out of Jacksonville too, which is ironic moving here. Uh Um, I was like, Oh, I hope I run into them. So I ran into one of the other guys (laughs) and I was like, Hey man. And he was like, Hey, and that that was it. I was like, okay. But, um, the game of golf for me, a lot of people will describe it as like a parallel for life. Um, you don't really know what you're doing all the time. You don't always know exactly what you're supposed to do. And sometimes you have to get creative to figure out mm-hmm. the journey. Um, but I've always, I'm going to, everything for me ends up tying back in some way, shape or form to transcendence or God, churchiness, whatever, how, whatever you want to describe it. And for me, golf, there's always been a notion of transcendence in some way, shape, or form as I play. I, I experience a, um, whether it's a golf course, like just golf courses themselves are very beautiful architecture. Um, but also in, in the playing um, of golf, I've just found myself in a broader narrative um, in terms of my life. It has been almost a metaphor for my life, each step of my journey. And I just have found that very fascinating. So whether it's the game itself or Uh the narrative golf has provided for me and a language I've been able to articulate and understand myself through, um, I will never stop talking about the game of golf, professional golf, my own playing, whatever it is. Golf is like yeah, I love that thing. You're in good company. You're I know. in Ponte Vedra Beach, Dana. I know. Yeah. Welcome I know. home. I've <laughs> I've I've learned so I went to the players this year. Um, got to watch like three different days. It was so cool. I was just geeking out. My wife was like, What are you doing? I was trying to like talk to some of the guys as I were walking on and off the golf course, some of the media guys I follow on Twitter. I was just like Ah, this is like golf heaven for Did me. Did she know what she was getting into when she accepted a job at Mayo Clinic? Um, I don't think she could have known the fullness of <laughs> exactly how much. Of the gift that she was giving you? Yes. Yeah. I don't think she could ever know. Yeah. I, as we close, I want to pick up on that word gift because mm-hmm. it, it occurs to me as Margaret and I are sharing this time with you that it's really obvious to me that what you bring to us is a gift to this community. Mm-hmm. It also feels like somehow God um, gave you and your wife a gift in coming here and settling here. So it's working both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been so fun to get to know you better this yeah. morning. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being so real with us mm-hmm. and for sharing your journey and your living, breathing story with us. Absolutely. And this place has been a gift to me already. So um yeah, this church, Christ Episcopal Church, has already been a gift in these six, seven weeks. So thank you. A lot of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of love, guys. That's and right. I can't agree more. Well, we look forward to being with you all next time as we continue to share these very rich, love-filled, living, breathing stories. Take care.